from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. I've been gone forever. I got so much to tell y'all. I mean, it just, I got stories upon stories upon stories. Yeah, you made a big trip to Canada. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> hey, Ursula, the people in Canada, I was in Vancouver, B.C., are just incredible, incredibly nice, mm-hmm. good people. I didn't hear a horn honk at me at all. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't hear a horn honk. So you were celebrating Leland's birthday. Yeah. So you had a group of you that, that went up to Vancouver, B.C. Mm-hmm. I saw you got all decked out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the first time. Man, I, I, so I was gonna say, I, I think that Vancouver, BC, has a lot of the same problems that Seattle does. But I'm thinking that you just went to places where everyone was in their best behavior. Nah, uh, Vancouver, BC, does not have the same problems that Seattle does. <laughs> I disagree. Okay, well, we're gonna talk about that because <laughs> we're gonna ask you, uh, what grade would you give the city of Seattle today? Okay. Okay. Text us on our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line, uh-huh. 888-973-5476, 888-973-Cairo. Today is the mayor's State of the City address. Mm-hmm. And what is the State of the City of Seattle? So this is audience participation. We want you to be part of that conversation. Can you participate if you haven't been in Seattle because you told everybody you weren't coming to Seattle forever? Um, yeah, let's let's you... try to do it based on fact, not emotion. Okay, good. <laughs> let's get to it. Top stories of the day brought to you by Waste, Scar 40, Susu, and Auburn. Well, let's start right there as Seattle continues to grapple with crime, homelessness, and drugs. Mayor Bruce Harrell is set to deliver his State of the City address at noon today. Among other things, the mayor is expected to highlight the action that his administration has taken to address the fentanyl crisis that includes the new law to address public drug use and an investment of nearly $30 million for treatment centers and programs. This man spoke with Cairo 7 TV about the problems that he sees in his Ballard neighborhood. I know there's a problem with, with the homelessness and, and we have compassion, but we can't deny the, our safety when it comes to property damage, violence, and all of the, the drugs. The mayor is also expected to give an update on the city's efforts on hiring more cops for its depleted police department. His office says SPD is getting its highest applicant rate in more than two years, with an average of 200 per month. Again, this is applications um, by the end of the year, but the police department is still losing more officers than it's gaining. So my question mm-hmm. again, in your opinion, what is the state of the city of Seattle today, halfway through Mayor Harrell's term? A. A. I, yeah, I'm giving it an A, yes. Um, before I get into the reason for my answer, I'm going to ask this question that you don't have to answer. What grade would you give your life, right? And I just recently talked about this in a talk that I gave recently. What grade would you give your life? And most people, when they're going to grade their life, they usually grade it upon, or when we are judging where we are in life, we judge it upon where we are right now and maybe where we want to be, right? That's how we usually judge it. Like, I want to be here. I want to make this much money, and I'm not there yet. So, therefore, we make a judgment on our life based on that. Well, when I look at the city of Seattle, right, I know that here we are right now, the constant, the, the, the state, the current state of Seattle right now. And right now, it's easy to talk about where we want Seattle to be. I'm judging Seattle on where it once was. So from right now till 2020, that's how I'm judging Seattle. Has there been uh, great strides made? 
Let's go ahead and start. First, City Hall was left open by one of the city council members. That's not happening anymore. Chama we had someone. chop. We had chop that happened in the city where it was just all carelessness, uh, carelessness going on during that time. You had city officials erasing text messages during that time. You had all kinds of stuff. The city, because of the pandemic, was absolute trash during that time. So if you go from 2020 before Mayor Harrell was mayor and you go to right now, I would give it an A because there has been a very much big increase. Now, the only part where you can judge it on is the worst part that's going on in Seattle is the increase in homicides, which is 23 percent. That's awful. I don't want to sugarcoat that at all. See, to me, if, if you're giving an A, I mean, that's like great inflation, in my opinion. <laughs> because an A means excellence. And I know, I think we're striving for excellence. We're nowhere close. I mean, you even just said in your opening statement. We have statement, a new city council. Uh, we do. So a, a for effort, there's a, there's a new, and one of the reasons why I guess I'm more optimistic, I would be, I, I'd put us at a, a B minus right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's. We were below average up we until just F. recently. We, 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 yeah, we were. It was a big fail. Uh, and so the reasons I'm optimistic, but I'm not willing to give it an A. Uh, the reasons I'm optimistic would be that we do have a brand new makeup of uh, the city council. Uh, Mayor Harrell was actually kind of involved or personally invested in five of the different candidates who ended up uh, winning. Mm-hmm. This November, Mayor Harrell has uh, been pushing to live up to his promise of trying to do more homeless encampment removals. Okay, He's been trying to address graffiti, uh, which is still a problem. We still don't have full occupancy or even close in downtown Seattle. So we still have those issues. Crime. You mentioned the homicide rate. We still have uh, a depleted police department. I mean, you can make it sound really rosy that they're they're, you know, getting more applicants than ever. But those applicants are not making it through the process. And we're still losing too many police officers. That's an issue for me. Someone who lives in Seattle, owns a home in Seattle. I worry about that. But I see I do see progress. So I'm going to say B minus. You know, maybe if I'm feeling generous, I'll say B. But an A to me means excellence. We're nowhere there. We're nowhere there. Okay, let me maybe try to. Plead my, argue my case for an A one more time. When you, and I want you to be honest, this is the Gene Ursa show. When you are judging Seattle, in your mind, what neighborhood are you thinking of? You don't have to answer that, but I want you to think. What neighborhood are you judging? Are you judging Broadmoor? Huh? Are you judging? Are you no, judging? Most people are not. A lot of people don't even so know where Broadmoor is. So you're getting no, where you're, I'm you're go- thinking of downtown Seattle. Exactly. So yeah. when 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 people are judging Seattle, even, let's get even more specific. When you're judging downtown Seattle, is there a particular block that you may be thinking about? 
right? So when we're judging Seattle, we are very much judging a very small sample size of Seattle. So make sure when you're giving your grade for Seattle, don't forget about your auntie whose house you go to that's over a million dollars that you go to or that's two million dollars because there are different neighborhoods that are people listening right now. They're like... Yeah, I just went out and got my newspaper with my house shoes and uh, slippers and robe on. Life's pretty good. Yeah, Seattle gets an A, like I said. Yeah, and I will still say Seattle gets a B minus, maybe B, because even in some of those, maybe not Broadmoor, but maybe in some of those other neighborhoods, they're seeing crime like they haven't seen before. I'll just give you an example. I went into my local Rite Aid. Again, it's like always the Rite Aid. I went to my and my neighbor happens to work there. And she was telling me, she said, yeah, we just can't even keep our our shelves stocked with X, Y, Z because people just come and take, you know, facial products, facial creams. They just take arm loads. Again, is that the only way to judge it? No, but I think there's just a lot of room for improvement. Okay, well, speaking of Seattle, there's a new Seattle law that is having an effect on Snohomish County residents who order food through Uber Eats and DoorDash. Mm-hmm. The order from Starbucks for three people should not be like $50, 50 or $60. That is Jacqueline Rollins of Lake Stevens, who spoke with King 5 News. She says she was shocked to see this new $5 operating fee on an Uber Eats order from Starbucks. I sent a text message to Uber Eats and said, hey, you know, why am I being charged this? And the response was that, well, Seattle passed a law that they had to up the minimum wage. And so they have to charge more to the consumer to offset that. Okay, again, let's get this straight. She lives in Lake Stevens and she has to pay a fee in response to a decision made by the Seattle City Council. According to Uber Eats, yes, and that's because Lake Stevens is a suburb of Seattle. And therefore incurs the aforementioned fee. 36 miles away and in another county, and we're a suburb of Seattle? It's like, no. So in case you haven't heard, this is Seattle's pay-up legislation. It went into effect this January, and it guarantees a minimum wage for app-based delivery drivers. What did your boys tell you about this before? (laughs) What did I tell you about this before when the Seattle City Council decided to go ahead and put this into play? What did I tell you back then? I told y'all, don't do it. Don't do it. What you're trying to basically say is, is everybody that turns on their DoorDash app as a delivery person, right, or Uber Eats, whatever the case might be, you're giving them an opportunity to say, you, Charlie, are going to be getting guaranteed the minimum. And so Charlie gets to go out there and make... Mm, he can do half as much as me when I used to do it and probably make just as much because they get the guaranteed minimum wage. Look, if you want a guaranteed minimum wage job, don't do a job like DoorDash or get the gig economy. Go get a guaranteed job. You know what I'm sick and tired of? Like, straight up. I'm, I'm done. I'm done making excuses for people that want a lot for a little. This like is minimum you, wage? Wait, wait. So, this, so that's the problem, though, G. So you, now you say we're going to have minimum wage, but this idea that these companies aren't going to pass it on to consumers, that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. They said that that was going to happen. That's exactly what happened. DoorDash actually said uh, on the first two weeks of orders after payup went into effect, consumers placed 30,000 fewer orders. So they had uh, wait times that were three times longer between offers. So it, it, 
in essence, what they say is, look, you wanted a minimum wage. Now it's going to be more cost to our consumers and less money for you because you have fewer orders. Why, why are you carrying drivers. water for DoorDash? Like, I don't understand why you would believe DoorDash or Uber Eats in saying that they have to impose a new service fee on people in Lake Stevens because of their drivers in Seattle. A, DoorDash and Uber Eats take up to 30% of the restaurant order. Are you telling me that out of your $50 Chinese food delivery and the $30 jack-in-the-box delivery that gets delivered later that hour and the $40 delivery from KFC, they can't come up with 19 bucks an hour and they have to charge people in Lake Stevens? Come on. Well, I, I looked into a DoorDash revenue, although it increased by 27% last year. The company has yet to make a profit. Uber reported its first quarterly operating profit of $326 million in the second quarter of last year. Up until 2022, uh, the company had been accumulating like billions, like $31 billion in operating losses since 2014. So, yeah, they're going to justify it. Yeah. And you know why? Because the way these companies work is they're, they're backed by venture capital. They come into a market. They undercut the price. Yep. The investors expect to make 10 times their amount of money in five to 10 years, and it's all based on market expansion. So we're going to swallow the globe with our services. We're going to dump billions into expansion. And then once we start needing to make a profit, you are going to pay more. Okay. And here's, here's one thing that you can do, though. If you are against this, there's one thing you can do. What Order is it? direct. Go pick it up. Exactly. Yeah. So, so exactly. Okay. So, can, can, I mean, can I can I just raise my hand real quick as somebody yeah. who drove did DoorDash, haven't done it in like three months, but I want to just raise my hand as somebody who's actually done this out here. Okay. Yeah. I told you guys what was going to happen. Yes. And here's what's going to happen. Yes, the customers, you guys are going to get charged more, no doubt. Restaurants. You're probably going to charge you a little bit more because DoorDash and Uber Eats charges you a nice little tax. Also, the result of this will be drivers, the ones that were hustling, will make less money because they will have less opportunity for deliveries. I tried to tell folks this, but nobody listens to G. So the city council shouldn't have increased it. No. Yes, that's that's the problem. You try to inject yourself and say that if this is a good thing, they should be making at least minimum wage. But didn't you but, just say, G, that like people weren't hustling enough and so they weren't making minimum wage and that's a problem and why like I people weren't hustling enough to make minimum wage. So real quick, if I am driving for DoorDash and I turn on the app and I wait for my orders, right? And I sit there and I only go and I keep denying some of the other orders because I want to go to the bathroom or I have to finish this conversation with my buddy. And I'm doing like two orders an hour. Right. Why should I get paid the same amount of money as the G dude that's out there that's hustling and not moving and waiting to use the bathroom when later on? Why should that person make as much money as me? You're undercutting the ability to make more money because you drop the hustle. Y'all, man, you know what, man? You know what? I, I feel like the word hustle is a, is a bad word. I'm bringing hustle back to the equation because that's <laughs> all I do is hustle. That's all I tell my kids to do is hustle. Put that word in your vocabulary and you'll never be broke. <laughs> okay, can I just say we only got to... 
Why did that happen? Wait, 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 wait. We only got to two of our five stories that I wrote up. Wait a minute. How did this happen? Man. Okay. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll bring back some in the 10 o'clock hour. How's that? Because there, there are a couple of things. When it comes to potholes... We have some bragging rights, so we're going to bring that up at 10 o'clock, but some, still ahead. Wait, I can't let you go. Yeah, this yeah, person yeah. said G does Jordash for fun, not for a living. What? Well, you, that's true. Huh? Not for fun. You you you, you weren't relying so on your I income. Do, if I was doing it for fun, then I would just do it for free. You think everything I do is for money, baby? <laughs> what do you mean? Every dollar I make, I go to work for my money. I ain't doing nothing for free. I'm not even coming to watch games with you for sh- with Chef for free. You got to pay me, Chef. Good luck. <laughs> I know, but but it's not your sole income is what this person is trying to say. Okay, still ahead. We got to talk about this story. Sam Campbell's going to join us. And I, I, I couldn't believe the ages of these suspected carjackers. And now maybe their mom turned them in. Okay, we got to get to the bottom of that story. That's coming up next on the G and Ursula Show. Show. Happy Tuesday to all of you. As always, we invite you to join us on our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line 888-973-5476-888-973 Cairo. We asked all of you to give us a grade for the state of the city of Seattle. And gee, I've yet to see a whole bunch of A's. You gave an A. Um, based on yeah. Shocker. Shocker that I don't think I'm like still, others. I'm still, well, I love it. I, I mean, it, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but continue to give us you, the reason you you give your uh, grade and the reasons why, and we will get into that. You did agree that. with me that 90% of people that judge uh, and give a grade for Seattle judge it based upon a few blocks downtown. You agree I, with that? I agree that, that the first image that you think of is downtown Seattle, but I, I would say that there there are other issues too. Sure. But and speaking of, mm-hmm. um, and this is one of the types of stories that that adds to my feeling like eh, we got a lot of room for improvement because we're now learning more about the 12 and 13 year old boys who were accused of carjacking a woman in Seattle's Greenwood neighborhood and then trying to steal another car at gunpoint. And our reporter Sam Campbell is here live in the studio with the details. So Ursula G, I've been reading through these court documents in this case, and we are learning a considerable amount about what happened that night. That was last Tuesday. It was just shy of 8.30 p.m. on North 85th Street near Aurora Avenue. A woman, uh, woman told police that she was driving home from the store and she parked outside her home. She was getting her things from her car when she heard a tap on the window and she looks up only to see a boy p- pointing a gun toward her and telling her to get out of her car. Uh, court documents say that she tried to throw it into reverse uh, and one of the boys fired a bullet into the air. At that point, uh, she reportedly fearing for her life life complied uh, and police say while they were investigating this they then respond to another attempted carjacking call this time it's a man in a volkswagen who said uh, to police that he locked the car and told them he didn't have cash it's unclear whether or not he lost anything to a robbery but while officers were talking to him detectives say they see the stolen subaru driving down aurora behind him 
And so this is what kind of initiates this police chase that uh, that you both were talking about. We know what happened next because of body camera footage released by the Seattle Police Department. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's, so let's go back to 12 and 13 years old. We're talking about middle schoolers. I believe that would be fifth and sixth grade, yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... Wasn't their mom also potentially involved in this? Was there a call from the mom? I there, heard well, this, the reporting yes, there this was. There was. Um, in fact, there. Some of the details in these court documents are pointing to a possible connection to the boy's mom. It's because the detectives say the mother called nine one one to report uh, twelve and thirteen year old boys walking down Aurora Avenue with a gun. Well, less than eight minutes later, after that call, and two blocks away from where that call happened, the boys allegedly steal this woman's super outback at gunpoint. Um, the documents show there was an apparent conversation between the Subaru owner and um, and the suspect, uh, <clears throat> and she told police that she asked these children why they were robbing her. One of them reportedly told the victim, my mom kicked me out. Uh, police believe that the mom was intentionally reporting her own two kids, but that she did not provide their names or indicate you know, that she was their mother on that call. Man. Uh, just your thoughts on that? Um, that that this stuff is going to continue happening. Is it sad? Yeah, but um, after saying that it's sad, it's sad, it's sad, it's sad. We have to stop getting, keep continuing to say it's sad, and let's get to, into why it's happening. One of the topics that we came up, I remember in January, it was uh, USA Today came out with a deal that talked about how seventy percent of kids drop out of youth sports by the age of thirteen. Right. Some of the reasons are talking about injuries and not being fun, the pressure to succeed. Now, mind you, I'm just talking about this angle right here. So the angle that I want to bring up today, which there are many angles that come to this with consequences and all that. But I want to just talk about this. When I was coming up, when I was growing up, a lot of kids in neighborhoods played sports. There wasn't all of this select Sports where it was really expensive, mm-hmm. dollars $5, to play basketball or baseball or soccer. Hey, you parents out there that's listening, is paying the money. You know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of club money that has to be paid for you to play sports. Back when I was younger, and I don't mean to be the person that sounds like back in the day, but when we were younger, the moms and dads paid like thirty, forty dollars yeah. for everyone to play at the neighborhood boys and girls club or YMCA locally, right? So you have a lot of kids that aren't playing sports. Forget the sports. You have a lot of kids and a lot of parents that can't afford some of these activities to keep keep them out of trouble. If I didn't have sports coming up, I probably would have gotten in trouble. Because you know what young kids do when they don't have anything else to do and when they're bored? They get in trouble. So, Ursula, we talk about the problems with housing affordability. And we talk about the problem with low low wages. These are the byproduct of those things when you have a lot of parents that can't afford to put their kids in these things. That's just one, one angle. Aspect, now, if you, yeah. if you guys want to get into consequences, I'm with you. A yeah. lot of these kids are just bad. Just, just bad, and they don't, they don't want to, they don't want to get right. So we went, oh, you know, little Johnny. If we just sit him down here and we just talk to him, man. Sometimes you got to no. quit talking to these kids and let these kids get some consequences. Yeah, and and 
you bring up a lot of great points. And Sam, I just want to say thank you. So oh. They've got a court hearing this afternoon, right? I mean, so. so. Yes, that's right. Um, kind of touching on what G was saying. You know, I was standing outside of the uh, Clark Ch- Ch- Child and Family Justice Center all morning. And, you know, unsurprisingly, it's during the morning commute. So I'm seeing all these parents walk to uh, walk their kids to school or walk their kids to daycare, wherever they're going. And, well, for these boys, they're going to be spending the afternoon entering their pleas to several felony charges. And um, it's unclear whether the mom is going to be there. That's just, thank you. And we will continue to track this story. But to your point, G, you know, what has changed? Because we hear it over and over again from law enforcement agencies all across Western Washington. The kids are getting, they're younger and younger, and they're doing these crimes that are just, we haven't seen anything like this in years. And, you know, is it the, you know, the effects of the pandemic, post-pandemic? Is it the effects of, of lack of consequences? Is it the effect of... You know, having I think you bring up a great point, this feeling of hopelessness, like, where's my future? Like, well, to heck with it. I'll just go ahead, do these crazy crimes. Sure. Because I can. Yeah. Because it's going to give me some kind of notoriety because there isn't a consequence. I gave you guys. Now, that was just one angle. I gave you guys another angle this morning that I purposely didn't bring up, but I shared it with you. I talked about the keeping up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. I talked about how when we were younger, we can go to the swap meet, right, and get $5, $10 jeans, and we can get the four four pack of t-shirts for ten dollars yeah. we had access so a lot of these kids now are trying to keep up with the joneses yep. and they don't have the money to pay for the i'm not justifying i'm trying to tell you guys what's going on oh do they still sell marijuana here remember the nickel and dime bags that young kids used to sell to make a little extra money no they don't do that anymore either so this money is gonna come from somewhere and we are seeing it come from way more crime and we're seeing kids stealing cars. How many times are I, you I, mean, I still can't even just get it. I, we need to be shocked about 12 and 13. It cannot be a daily occurrence. It cannot be something that we're like, ah, okay. What's the, what's the consequence? A carjacking of, suspects. What's the consequence of a 12 and 13 year old stealing a car? Well, it hasn't been enough. I'm going to tell y'all right now. One of the number one reasons why I don't think I committed crime because I was afraid of the consequence. Yeah. Both. Actually, I wasn't even afraid of police. <laughs> I wasn't even Your afraid. dad was police. I, I wasn't even afraid of <laughs> him. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Ursula, you know, what we're getting ready to talk about next, we're going to talk about something that had Lillian jumped on this app, it would have been impossible for us to be together. And I have a problem with this app, and I can't believe it exists. I want to see what your thoughts on this next. Gene Ursula. Everybody, it is the G and Ursula show. It's been a wow, action-packed nine o'clock hour. Coming up at ten o'clock, Heather Bosch is going to join us. And <laughs> you ready for this? She's going to explain to us how and why childcare is a mess here in the state of Washington. What, what'd you get? I'm, well, I'm just glad that 
my kids today don't need childcare. And we were lucky. If you have a village, if you're lucky enough to have family who can help out, I realize we dodged a bullet when it came to childcare expenses. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have to listen to, to Heather's yeah. report because if you're in the midst of that right now, right. like, what do you do? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best not to bring up who's against help with childcare. Okay, I promise you that. I'm gonna do my best okay. on that one. Um, I want to talk about dating apps, and I don't see. I don't. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Oh. Uh- <laughs> Okay. Most Americans looking for love turn to a dating app, and there's a new one that I have a big problem with. Yes, I have a huge problem with it. Score, Ursula, credit score is a dating app. It's called Score. It's a dating app for people with good credit, and it requires a score of 675 and above to join. Ursula, I'm against this. I am really against this because I look at an app like that, a credit score of 675, and this is what you would call prevention of love. There are a lot of love that will be lost because of this app. I would have not gotten with Lillian had she joined this app because I wouldn't have been able to get on there because my credit score for sure was in touch in 675. So. Here's my question for you, though, because, I mean, this this obviously seems a little tasteless in my book, but I want to just ask a more general question when it comes to finances. And, and if you are in the dating scene, is someone being financially secure something that is attractive or, or, or is a must? Is that one of the things that is a, a deal breaker if someone doesn't have good financial responsibility. I'm I'm glad you bring that up, Ursula. I think that maybe before Amazon moved here to Seattle area, so I'm talking before the recession happened in 2008, and then they got settled in here in 2009 and 2010. I think before then, housing affordability here locally wasn't that bad, right? It was cool. It was reasonable. You could make it. I think relationships during that time, you can kind of get with somebody that was struggling. Today, Ursula, today, if you are doing okay financially and your credit score is good and then you meet a G who is, you know, still trying to be an up-and-comer, trying to get things better with his credit, you're not going to probably date me because it is so hard to make it financially. The average rent for a one-bedroom in Seattle, you're talking about, what, $2,200 yeah. a but month. You, to have a good credit score, or at least a decent credit score, you have to be able to pay on time or, or, or just be responsible. It doesn't mean that you have to have a ton of money. It just means that you are be able to be exactly to be responsible. So th- this dating app is actually called Score. Yeah. Kristen and Bothell says low credit score is a definite deal breaker. And, and you know what? I believe. Where, but when does it come up? When does it come up in the dating process? Again, I'm leaning on all of you because I've been so far removed from this I, situation. But I know that when I was yeah. was dating, I 
I mean, financial stability was a factor for sure. So I, I think I think if I knew that someone would live beyond their means and um, have creditors going after them, I, I think that would for me, I, I hate to sound um, tacky, but it would be a deal breaker. OK, let me let's let's get into it. If you start thinking about finances of everyone in the United States of America. Right. And you start looking at what people make. So ideally you want to date someone. Probably you're like, oh, I have I have a deal where I need to they need to make six figures. Their credit score needs to be at least 700 or more. And all of these that's just criteria. And the truth is, in America, most people don't make six figures. As a matter of fact, 70 percent of America does not make six figures. So that pool limits right there. And the answer to your question, when does it come up? I think the credit score conversation comes up faster today than it ever has. I think the political discussion comes up faster today than it ever has. We are living at a time. I got, I got Gen Z. Y'all living in some tough times, y'all. Okay, text us, 888-973-5476, Cairo. What? I don't even know that I could tell you what Mark's credit score is. I know it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that, you know, he knows that my credit score is good. But, but uh, seriously, how tacky is that that you would actually ask somebody what their credit score is? You know who would be a great person to ask? Nick, I got to ask you something. How, be, be, be real. The next person that you date and get in a relationship with, yeah. how important is her financial status for you? In the back of my mind, it is, but I'm never going up front on the date and saying, what's your credit score? <laughs> I mean, that's just so Surface tacky. level, that's a little, yeah, tacky on the tacky side, but yeah. Maybe third, fourth date in, you're asking, what are those three figures? What, what, what's, your, what's your score over there? Okay, in your last dating experience, did yeah. that ever come up? No. See, thank you. I mean, like the vague like idea of like wanting to be on good like people. Yeah. I, I, I just think Ursula, right now, people are thinking finances more today than ever. Back in my day, I wasn't thinking well, because, finances. Yeah, I was thinking physical, stretching. physical, physical. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot harder to make it to to get by today than it was certainly in our time of dating. Yes, it is. Polyester Days. Coming up next here on the Gene Ursula Show, Heather Bosch is going to join us to explain why child care is a nightmare in the state of Washington. Gene Ursula.